but I, I couldn't do a lot of the exercises I would normally do because my back was just inflamed. Anything I would do started to set it off. And that's when I kind of really realized the less is more axiom in everything that I teach. I was teaching it, but I, you know, I had this weird warrior attitude that I yep. just sometimes would just be like, well, if a little bit's good, then all the way must be uh-huh. <laughs> And so I had to really practice that less is more attitude. So one of my favorite exercises to activate glutes is you're lying on your stomach um, and you bend one knee of one leg, obviously, and you engage that glute and then, so if it's my right leg, my right knee is bending, I engage that glute of that right right side and then try and lift that knee off the floor. Well, my lower back was so inflamed, I really couldn't lift it up. I can only lift it up maybe like an eighth of an inch, a quarter of an inch, you know. Normally, I can lift it up three or four inches, which is quite high for hip extension, um, but I couldn't lift it up that much. And, but I did it anyways. And the, the rule of thumb is like, anytime you're doing muscle activations, uh, you do it for six seconds and you do it six times, which isn't really that much, but it's just enough to be able to trigger that response between the brain and the muscle, the brain, the muscle goes, starts sending a message to the brain. Hey, we need to contract. And the brain sends the muscle a message. Hey, it's time to contract. And so you're cultivating that muscle's ability to contract. And- Listen to the vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very privileged to have Yogi Aaron here with me. Um, he is, of course, a, a yoga instructor, a master. And uh, you have some new innovations in yoga that you you've come up with. And I'd like to talk about that but before we get into it tell us a little bit about yourself i am well as you just mentioned i'm a yoga teacher i've been teaching yoga for like 30 30 plus years and i got into teaching yoga um, because i wanted to be flexible (laughs) i wanted to you know you always see like flexible people and you think oh my god they look young and healthy and and virile and and I thought I want to have that when I get older and I started doing yoga and um, something else started happening right at that time of my life I started hurting myself and um, which kind of led to its own sort of uh, journey Um, and then that as you said it came up with this new kind of technique called ayama Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, um, which is the combination of bringing muscle activation into yoga uh, without the stretching. So we've kind of eliminated the whole stretching and flexibility thing. I also, um, a few years ago, started a yoga retreat center in Costa Rica where I spend most of my time and uh, lead trainings here. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, <laughs> Lots I, to unpack, though. <laughs> I was uh, I was reading your biography, and uh, there was something in there about you had got into kind of a freak accident and crushed your leg. Mm. Oh, tell yeah. me about that. I um, in two thousand, I think it was two thousand seven. I was I used to take people to India for like in you know retreats and pilgrimages and and that sort of thing, 
India being sort of the home of yoga. And I was taking a group of people up in the Himalayan mountains up in a place called Gangotri. Uh, there's like, so everybody knows about the Ganges, the Ganga that flows through India. It's like one of the main water sources. And um, there's three points in the Himalayan mountains, actually four, uh, that sort of is the, the beginning of the Ganga. And one of them sits at the top of this glacier and you got to climb up this glacier. Um, and it's, it's about 27 kilometers. I'm sorry, I don't speak miles. <laughs> and so <laughs> being a Canadian and all, um, and so it's 27 kilometers from the cars and it takes a, it's a bit of a schlep to get there and you've got to go up this big, um, glacier. Well, we got up there, everything was fine. The next morning we were coming down and I was personally feeling like really elated because nobody had gotten hurt on the trip. That's always a fear of when you bring people to places like that. And it was the last day and we were going to like be home or be in Rishikesh that night celebrating. And I got to, um, uh, we were coming down this glacier and a boulder twice the size of a basketball came tumbling down the mountain and hit my leg. And my femur just like literally split in half. Um, and yeah, it took, um, to, to kind of skip over the whole story, but the short story is that, um, it was three and a half days until I actually got help and, um, uh, that, you know, by the time I got surgery and was having that, you know, process, but, uh, once we finally got down the mountain, which was 12 o'clock at midnight. So this happened in the morning, it was about, uh, 18 hours later that um, got into the uh, ambulance and then like a couple of hours of driving this is again at like you know one o'clock in the morning we hit a landslide and so we were stuck for like another 12 14 hours oh my gosh (laughs) and I always tell people like at that point in my life I had just turned 35 I think I was 35 and I, I felt like all the spiritual quote unquote practice that I had been doing to that point was to prepare me for that moment. Cause how I dealt with that was really a testament. Um, and I'm not talking only the mental, I'm also talking the physical pain. As you can imagine, I was in, in a lot of pain and I wasn't mobilized and I had to be moved around a lot and being carried down the mountain. Um, and so what got me through it was like just using my yogic breathing and um, my uh, indomitable willpower. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. And so did you have like permanent damage because of, of it taking so long to get medical attention? You know, I was very lucky that it was not a compound fracture. And for people who don't remember what a compound fracture is, it's like when the bone goes outside the skin, so it pierces outside. And and I was very lucky that didn't happen. Yeah. I'm sure that there was a lot of damage just because the way that, you know, the the bone was broken in half. So the jagged edges, I'm sure, caused some damage. But I'm very blessed that I didn't, you know, have any problems. And I got to the hospital in time uh, for them to, you know, repair me. But 
the thing I do carry around with me is is uh, two scars and one and a titanium rod in my femur bone. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bionic yogi now, <laughs> <laughs> and, and forever setting off the alarm at the airport, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Gosh, I can't imagine. I mean, I get a paper cut and I have to have immediate attention, or I freak out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I see a lot of people like that, especially at my hotel, like, oh, I have a little cut from a rock or something like that. And I'm like, oh, God bless you. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know how you would fare in a different situation. <laughs> it, kind like... of teaches, it kind of teaches you about the resiliency of the human body. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite commentators said the other day that I think said it so beautifully, like, the human body is so fragile and yet it's so resilient. Like, you know, it's kind of always got that duality going on. Like you hear stories of people that have these incredible things happen to them. And you're like, how did you survive that? And then somebody else, you know, they get a paper cut and then they didn't do so well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, really interested in the fact that you said that it it helps uh your yoga helps with like healing and and um like dealing with or i guess getting past pain and things like that uh i i've told this story a million times but you know i have a disease in my spine Mm -hmm. and it crept on up on me a few years ago although i've had back problems since i was in my early 20s and I got diabetes and because it was so bad and I didn't get it taken care of when I should have, um, they tell me that was a contributing factor to this arthritis and everything else that I have. What happens is, is the bone in, in my spine starts to deteriorate and it's, it's like walking into a cave where you got stalactites and stalagmites and it, is really screwed up my nerves. It's, you know, chewing up the discs in between. Yeah. I've had, uh, I've had a couple of fusions done already and I'm probably having another one soon, but, and they've had to put a, a nerve stimulator in my back. So I'm, I'm like the $6 million man. I got an actual battery pack <laughs> in my back. And I, I always look for different ways to deal with the pain. I, I'm I'm not one to take all these opioids and stuff, and the, sure. the the doctors have me on a pretty good medication now. It's actually used uh, for uh, getting people over opioid addictions, but it's off label. They use it for pain, and so mm-hmm. it it really really works. But there are those days when it's worse than what it was before. Yeah. And I'm, I look for what can I do to relieve some of this pain? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I mean, there's a few things to do. Um, when I talk about my ability to deal with the pain that I was experiencing in that moment, um, there were sort of two things at play um, that I feel like my yoga practice helped me to do. Well, a few things, more than more than two things, but the two biggest things was, I think at the top of the list was just faith, you know, that sort of, as I said earlier, that inner indomitable willpower to 
maintain my equilibrium and maintain my um my conscious that conscious decision to know that I have choice and how I'm going to react to the situation. So um, putting my faith in a higher power was very much at play and is, is continuously at play in my life um, as I face, you know, various challenges. And then the second thing was my one, you know, this practice in yoga called one-to-one breathing. And, um, and so one of the things like that's interesting is that our body physically um, um, is a reflection and our mind is, is a reflection of our breath. Mm-hmm. And we hear that a lot, but a lot of us don't really understand what it means because we don't really have direct experience of it. It's not until you really start to have a yoga practice. Um, and when I say yoga practice right now, I'm, I'm really referring to just a sitting kind of practice, you know, and just practice breathing or could be also lying down as well. Um, but just cultivating that relationship with our breath. And, and the interesting thing is like, if the mind is chaotic and we start to shift the breath, then we can start to shift the mind. And, and likewise, if we're, if we're attuned to our breath and we can start to see like irregularities coming up in our breathing, then we can know like there's irregularities that are going to start manifesting in the mind and definitely will start manifesting in the body. Mm-hmm. So if we're attuned to our breath, what I'm trying to say is that if we're attuned to our breath, we can actually start to manage uh, these things in the future, which is, I think it's really cool. And, um, and you can just shift your, shifting your breath can shift so much momentum in our life. And that's how I dealt with it. I really had practiced a few, done a few things with the breath, but it kind of boils down to just one practice, which is, learning to if you're doing a sitting practice with the breath or lying down practice you just follow the breath it's called it's called pure breath breathing but part of the um, practice of pure breath breathing is inhaling one exhaling one so that's a ratio it's not like inhale one count exhale one count it's just a ratio so if you're inhaling four counts exhaling Mm -hmm. four counts and that was my mantra for that three and a half days as I was like getting to the hospital it was like inhale two three four (laughs) exhale two and but every time I started to get stressed Kyle and I started to feel anxiety as I'm sure you could understand you know being 27 kilometers away from help and and wondering if you're going to make it or being stuck in that landslide and wondering if you're ever going to make it to the hospital in Delhi, that, that, that the only thing I had was my faith and my ability to breathe. That was it. I couldn't move. I couldn't, I could barely even, you know, urinate for God's sakes, because it was so hard to move um, in that position. And I had to have help uh, as, from other people. So it was very, it was a very challenging situation. And I really had to practice like letting go. What I wanted to also respond to was that um, one of the things that I'm I'm working on teaching now is it's kind of a twofold or two pronged approach, but what the first part is like stop stretching, which I can imagine. I don't really think you're doing too much of. Um, But then the second part is actually getting the muscular system working properly. 
and I think like hearing your story, that's such a classic example of someone who has stress, you know, trauma, and then overuse in their life. And so stress and trauma being at the top of the list. And Mm -hmm. what we know is that that stress and trauma creates an inflammatory response in the nervous system. And you just said it perfectly. Your brain is not really sending messages properly to certain muscles. You actually need to have outside support in terms of a a nerve stimulator. And so what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing is kind of based upon this um, practice called muscle activation technique, which is all about reestablishing that literally not not a mind like in the esoteric sense but the brain (laughs) in a physiological sense the brain to the muscles so that the muscular system starts doing its job properly and part of the problem is i'm going to just take you as an example because you put yourself out there like that (laughs) that that your brain is like for example you're sitting down right now so you're going to stand up soon Well, part of the muscle group that's responsible for standing up, definitely some core muscles, transverse abdominis, um, probably some of the erector muscles in your lower back and your glutes. If those, if your brain, if you're coming to stand up and your brain is sending a message, hey guys, contract, contract, you got to work, you got to work, they're not going to work. And so then you have to start relying on your hands. You also have to start relying Mm -hmm. on, on other smaller muscles and that then starts to create more stress because these major muscles the glutes the transverse abdominis um, some of the erector muscles are not doing their job that's going to create more problems uh, in the body Um, and so that is just a cycle that keeps repeating itself and what we often find is that if we can get those muscles working and by working i mean that there's a neuromuscular connection between the brain and the muscle. Mm -hmm. If we can start getting that connection firing better, uh, then they start doing their job. And then the inflammatory response actually starts to reverse. I had a woman in my teacher training recently, and she was um, dealing with some sort of issue in her back. So I got her on my table and I worked for her on her for like 10 minutes. And then I asked her, I said, how are you doing afterwards? She says, within 30 minutes, the pain completely went away. Um, And so it happens very quickly. We can turn around the inflammatory process really quickly if we can start to get the the muscle-to-brain connection working, the neuromuscular connection um working better. And that's that's the work that I kind of focus in on now with my yoga practice. Wow. Yeah, I've kind of done that uh, sit and be fit kind of stuff. Yeah. Where you know, the muscles that I can use, I try to keep them going. If I'm sitting down watching television or what have you, yeah, I'm, I'm working those muscles, trying to not vegetate. You know, I, I can get up and walk, but usually my walking is about 10 minutes and then I'm in so much pain. I can't really do it. I have to use a cane. If I'm going to do a lot of walking, if it's going to be, you know, quite a bit, I have my wheelchair, but even sitting it's, I can't even sit for that long because it starts to hurt. I mean, you'll notice I'll, I'll be moving quite a bit while we're talking because I can't stay in one position very long. 
Sure. And any alternatives, uh, you know, I'm I'm all for. Hey, let's let's try it. Let's try it. Uh, I even do meditation. Yeah. And and even that will help. Yeah. And it, yeah, um, there's a lot of great techniques out there that is, you know, that goes beyond pseudoscience, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that helps people to start reconnecting literally that that neuromuscular connection and um as i was healing from my broken leg and then other kind of issues in my life uh one of the things that i i didn't realize i was doing relying on some of the pseudosciences <laughs> or 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 um beliefs in the in the public domain around stretching is actually making it worse and um and so i started like seeking help to get that get the connection working and as soon as i would do that like the pain my pain started just disappearing and i started having better muscle function the age of 30 i thought i would never hike again i thought that you know because i would go hiking and within an hour an hour and a half my knees would start throbbing like crazy and yeah one of the hikes i did um, around that time, which sort of was when I decided to hang up my hiking shoes begrudgingly, um, was because I couldn't walk for three days afterwards. My knees were so inflamed. And again, it had nothing to do with, um, no, my, the strength in my body. There was nothing wrong with my knees. It was just that, you know, the major muscle groups were not doing their job properly. And so all the stress of hiking ended up in my knees. And that's one of the reasons why people, you know, complain often like, oh, I can't hike anymore because, um, you know, my, my knees just hurt too much. And, and then that creates, you know, this, this cycle of that where a person starts becoming more set at entry. And so what I'm trying to do is in a very gentle, compassionate, kind, and slow way, <laughs> it's trying to teach people to, yeah, just do a little bit every day and it just starts to build and build and build and build. It takes time though. It doesn't happen overnight with somebody like you. Um, it just takes time. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I'd tell you the knees, there'd be times that like you, I'd go hiking or something and then I come back and my knees look like softballs or been glued to them. It's, yeah, it's so irritating. And, and then the weather changes and everything starts to get inflamed. And, you know, you, like you were saying, you, you get sedentary, you've got to catch 22 because, you know, if you, if you get up and you do too much, you hurt. And then if yeah. you sit too much, you hurt. Yeah. You got to find a happy medium. So kind of take me through uh, a, maybe a little quick session. Um, uh, um, 
you mean like you want to go through a session right now or you want yeah, me just, to talk you through what just, i would do well you could you could talk me through it i, I just uh for the audience so they kind of yeah. get an idea of what's going on yeah i mean i'll i, I want to give you an example of something that happened to me somewhat recently it was actually a year and a half ago um and it was a real kind of wake-up call for me because here i was teaching this stuff and then something happened to me and i had to put it into practice um, I was actually going to Greece on vacation for a few months mm-hmm. and um, I just needed to get away from everything. This was a year and a half ago. So you can imagine I was like, I need to go to the Greek islands. I'd never been before. And um, and so I was going to be on the beach a lot and leading up about a month leading up into it, I wasn't really doing much exercise. And so I kind of had this weekend warrior attitude, literally two days before I left for Greece, I thought I'm going to go to the gym for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and I'm going to get my Mediterranean body. So <laughs> like this, this kind of like silly weekend warrior attitude. And um, so I went to the gym and I did something really stupid and I kind of knew it was stupid when I was doing it, but I didn't listen to my inner wisdom and my whole lower back seized right up and i have um i deal with disc herniation in my lower back i actually ended up in the doctor's office the orthopedic surgeon's office um about five years ago and he said you're going to need a spinal fusion and so now i've been learning a lot more about it and knock on wood i really haven't had anything flare up since then um Mm -hmm. to that level uh, and I've managed to keep my back really good, but it's, yeah, it, it threw my back up. So you can imagine like I'm going to Greece with this horribly inflamed back and, uh, I had to actually put into practice. So I want to tell you a couple of those things that I did. So one of the exercises, as I mentioned earlier, the glutes play a really important role in lower back stability. Um, all the back muscles intersect with the glutes and which is kind of fascinating to me anatomically. And so you can think about the glutes having a couple of functions, but one of them is to maintain stability of the lower back. Mm -hmm. Another function is like the shock absorbers. So you were saying like, sometimes you walk around and 10 minutes later you're in pain. And so it could be like, I would love to do some experiments with you and see what would happen if we got your glutes a little activated before you started walking around see if that increased or not like see what would happen to your stress tolerance levels that's the science scientist in me coming out but i i couldn't do a lot of the exercises i would normally do because my back was just inflamed anything i would do started to set it off and that's when i kind of really realized the less is more axiom in everything that i teach i was teaching it but i you know, I had this weird warrior attitude that I yep. just sometimes would just be like, well, if a little bit's good, then all the way must be uh-huh. <laughs> And so I had to really practice that less is more attitude. So one of my favorite exercises to activate glutes is you're lying on your stomach um, and you bend one knee of one leg, obviously, and you engage that glute and then, so if it's my right leg, my right knee is bending, I engage that glute of that right right side and then try and lift that knee off the floor. Well, my lower back was so inflamed, I really couldn't lift it up. I can only lift it up maybe 
like an eighth of an inch, a quarter of an inch, you know, normally I can lift it up three or four inches, which is quite high for hip extension. Um, but I couldn't lift it up that much. And, but I did it anyways. And the, the rule of thumb is like, anytime you're doing muscle activations, uh, you do it for six seconds and you do it six times, which isn't really that much, but it's just enough to be able to trigger that response between the brain and the muscle, the brain, the muscle goes, starts sending a message to the brain. Hey, we need to contract. And the brain sends the muscle a message. Hey, it's time to contract. And so you're cultivating that muscle's ability to contract and contract on demand. So that was one. There was another one um, where you, again, lying on your stomach. And this time you lift your legs and your chest off the floor. I call it sometimes Superman pose because you're like just resting on your hip bones or your pelvic bones. And I, I normally can lift up like a lot. Um, but with my back, the way it was, I couldn't lift it up that much. So I was able to lift up a little bit and that's all I was going for just enough to get my back muscles contracting and stimulating that connection. So again, it was just like about half an inch off the floor. It wasn't that much. And then the last one I did was for my psoas, you kind of, it's hard to explain, but I lie on my back, um, bring one leg into a hurdler stretch and then create a resistance between my hand and the knee to get the psoas working. And the interesting thing was doing those three things started to build some stability because what I really was trying to do was like, oh, I really wanted to go walking around Athens. I just landed in Athens and I was wanting to explore, but I couldn't because of this pain. But just doing those like little exercises started to, again, build that, that reinforcement between the brain and the muscle. And it wasn't like the muscles are not strong. I don't think that you're a weak person, but at a neuromuscular level, you're, you know, that's where the weakness lies. That's where we need to build that uh, connection. So those are like three simple exercises to do. Another one for the glutes that I love is a pose called bridge pose. You lie on your back again and you lift your, your feet, your, your knees are bent and your feet are underneath your, your knees mm -hmm. and you lift your hips up as high as you can. And you really squeeze the glutes and you do that six seconds, six times. That's a really fantastic one to start again, building stronger uh, connected glutes and a stronger uh, lower back. Yeah, this is a, a fun journey for me because it's something I'm going to have the rest of my life. And it's, it just, it's going to move from one spot to another. And then once yeah. it gets there, then they go in and they do the next surgery, the next surgery, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone that's ever had the procedure done before, but when they put the mm. cage and the bone graft and all that in there, they had to cut my stomach open and move my guts out of the way to get to my spine. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't even want to think about it anymore. <laughs> I lived it and I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> that's I've had a couple of friends my um, who have had spinal fusions and it's not fun in the recovery as, as you know, is, is intense, but I also want to try and get you, um, re I'm going to look on the website and see if I can find a good muscle activation technique therapist that you can work with. Cause I think 
that if you started doing that and started building up that connection and doing a little bit of PT, and when I say a little bit, it doesn't have to be like, you know, oh, I'm taking an hour out of my day to do this. It can just be 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day can, can change the course of your life and just doing like simple, simple, simple little things um, can start to really have a profound effect, but it's a gradual, again, a gradual process and just getting you moving. Um, you know, when you start to have a sedentary lifestyle, you don't produce those sort of hormones that your body needs to and that your mind needs to feel good. <laughs> so yeah. as soon as we start moving, we start feeling better. And as we feel better um, and, and moderate that, uh, then we start to do better. Yeah, they used to send a therapist to the house. And whenever she would come, we would go through these exercises. And when when you hear the exercises that we did, you think, well, that, that doesn't seem like very much. Well, to most people, it's really not. But when you've gone through procedures like I have, it's it's uh, quite intense, to, yeah. you know. And but there's people out there who are worse off than I am, and I'm sure they're interested in finding ways of building up that that endurance and and you know the muscle that you don't normally get to work out anymore. Yeah. I, I can't go jogging. You know? No. Um, I can't go lift a bunch of weights and things like that. I might be able to do some bench presses, but it's not going to be very heavy weights. <laughs> yes. But I don't want to be, like I said before, become a vegetable. Yeah. And, you know, and it, I can see how easy it is to, to get that way when you're limited to the things that you can do and you, you feel emasculated. You know, when you have to rely on your family to, to take out the trash and mow the yard and stuff like the stuff I was used to doing all the time, mm -hmm. it's that wears on you mentally. So I'm assuming that with what you do, you're helping people with their mental health as well. Yeah, a huge, huge part of what I do is, is um, you know, this whole mind body connection is important, but also cultivating, you know, a healthier mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, this is no, I don't think this is any kind of news for people, but whatever's in our mind is projected in life and that becomes mm -hmm. our reality. Um, so, you know, a few things have to happen simultaneously. I don't really think it's, it's, it's necessarily easy to go on an expedition in your mind and then start trying to change things. It's like, you are who you are. So then the, one of the kind of like yogic techniques is then start to change our habits, you know, start, but habits isn't just a physical, physical thing. Like it's also a mental thing, the way that we're thinking about life. And so one of the biggest um, uh, effective tools that I find is like using affirmations. Mm -hmm. And what I actually try and do a lot of the times is to weave affirmations into a lot of the work and a lot of the exercises that we do. So if we're doing something, you know, like just simply raising your arm above your head and coming over to the side, you don't have to come very far, but just kind of like feeling like I am opening myself up to the universe of limitless possibilities, or I'm expanding my capacity, like that setting that intention in the mind 
starts to shift the mind in a very different uh, momentum so mm-hmm. that our, we start to have a different experience on life. We no longer look at ourselves necessarily as like, oh, poor me, but like, oh, what else, what other opportunities are there? Like now I'm open to other opportunities um, and and that we no longer feel small. I think that, you know, as, as you were just saying, because of your condition, there is a tendency to become smaller and the mind starts to become smaller because we start to have less experiences in life. So we have to kind of keep moving our mind in a different direction. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, life is expansive. How can we tap into that universe of limitless possibilities? Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of affirmations. That's <laughs> well, why. And, and, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. And weaving them into all that I'm doing at a physical level. So it's not like I've got my affirmations and I have my exercise or movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have my yoga. It's like, no, let's combine all of them together. Let's bring it all together and merge it and use this time to really kind of feel, uh, start cultivating our best self. It's almost like a religious experience, I guess you'd say. I wouldn't put it like that, but sure, if that's where. That well, works for if you. you if you think about it, you know your your affirmations and things. It's 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 like prayer time. And sure, in that sense, yeah, absolutely. I actually think that prayer, in and of itself, is affirmations. It, you know, like right, we're 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 setting an intention to become the best version of ourselves. Yes. And well, that's why I like talking to to guests like you, because you you bring a new aspect, uh, things that I didn't think of before, and that I can add to what I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. And and not everything seems to work for everybody. I don't know why, but it's just I don't know. That's just the way life is. But who knows? I'm maybe I'll come up with a, a new idea and and. Uh, <laughs> I just combine everybody else's ideas. I'm stealing from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> one of one of the books I want to start writing is called How to Live a Joyful Life. And it's basically basically just taking what you just said. Like I've learned all of these kind of cool things in my life that have really gotten me to where I am and made me the person I am today, like affirmations. Affirmations Mm -hmm. is something I used to use a lot for the first 10 years, like from the age of like 13 to 25 or something, 30 years old. And then I kind of fell out of them and then I got back into them. And, and it was like such an integral part of my life. And, and then the people who taught me those things. And so I, yeah, just bringing in all of those different things that I use that other people taught me and saying, Hey, here it is all in a nutshell. I mean, I was in my mid forties before I started getting in, into anything like that. Wow. Mm. wow. And, and it came at the right time because that's when my health started. I mean, I was already in kind of bad shape. I had a heart attack when I was 36 and I had to change my lifestyle quite a bit. You can get into a very negative headspace where you just want to give up. You can't. You can't give up. You got too much, to, too many people out there to live for. 
you know, when I found out that, uh, you know, I had this disease, first thing came to my mind is, well, I guess I'm just going to lay on the couch until I wither away. But then the show became a possibility and started talking to, to different guests like you. And, uh, you know, we all have a purpose. And maybe I can't go out and run a marathon and all that kind of stuff. But I, you know what? I can get somebody on like you who can talk to, to people and, and give them new outlooks on life. Hey, here's something else you could try. That's a big part of why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, do you, I'm sure you have some great stories to tell the people that you've helped. I mean, as you've run across somebody that was ready to give up. I, you know, I uh, probably, <laughs> I, I've, I've had many students come sort of at their end. I think one of the most profound moments for me was right after 9-11 and I was living in New York City at the time. And I think that a lot of people um, were so affected and and questioning life and questioning their purpose as, as you would do in, in that, especially in that situation. And and absolutely there's, and there's all kinds of people that come to my teacher trainings as well, who are literally lost and, and feel not really connected to their purpose, not connected to anything and um, feeling disconnected to who they are as a human being and, and looking to like, answer that question who am i and um you know i would just kind of also just add that myself hit that moment just as recently as march 2020 when you know everything just sort of came to an abrupt stop in the world in Mm. my business you know i was faced with this um existential crisis of like my business is gone. And all of a sudden I realized how much my identity was attached to and intertwined with my business. And if my business wasn't happening, then who am I as a person? And, and doing that really was a hard moment to, to face. And like you, there was part of my mind. I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should just wait it out on the couch, but then that doesn't, that's not that's not living in purpose, and that actually I did that for a few days. Remember the first week I was I was catatonic. <laughs> I was just in shock, and and I, I in the space of a couple of weeks, I think I put on ten pounds, and um and started my my mind started changing, and I knew I had to shift my momentum, and it's like if my purpose you know, the, the physical structure is not my purpose. Then how am I going to manifest my purpose? What is that? And, um, and so absolutely taking, using the affirmations and taking those moments to breathe again and come back to remembering why I practice was that started to help me flip the script in my mind and shift my momentum in a different direction. Yeah. How easy it is to, to give up. It's, you know, finding that endurance in your, you know, your purpose. And I mean, it, the world changed so much when we, we couldn't be in the same room with a stranger anymore or 
Yeah. You know, you had to be all masked up and all this stuff, but all these businesses that had to close because they, that was a big part of it being yeah. there. But um, I mean, now with uh, like folks like you, you can use zoom. Yeah. And um, I mean, I guess you got into doing that, right? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, everything I swore to God, I would never do. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. <to> do. <laughs> Which was also like, you know, I'm opening myself up to the universe of limitless possibilities. Like, you know, how blessed are we to live in a in an age? And I think that's what I had to awaken to was having that gratitude. Part of it was awakening to that gratitude of like, yeah, we live in a world where we're so connected. All I had to do was just kind of open my mind up to it. But my mind was so closed and in fear um, that I just didn't know what to do at that mo moment. So um, it was, it was such a great reset for me at the moment. It felt like I was going through hell on a personal level. I'm sure it felt like that for a lot of other people too. But as Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was sad because two people in the old neighborhood we lived in, they, they ended their lives because of, you know the the isolation and it's sad that there's already people that were feeling lonely enough and now that just added to it yeah and then you get out in public you know we've we've had our state open for a while but it seems like some folks still haven't acclimated back to being around other people <laughs> <laughs> well that's a whole other conversation. That's, that's a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> but again, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think we need to get into politics, but it's just fascinating. Like, you know, everybody um, created their own sense of reality during that whole thing, which, you know, being in Costa Rica and, and I was located at Blue Osa at the time I, I went in and stayed there and we, you know, it's a beautiful resort on the beach. And I hung out with my dogs every day. I went swimming in the ocean, which is like 50 meters from our place. Um, the scarlet macaws come by. And all of that has a very profound effect on the mind. Um, it's like, you. well, I'll say it in the first person. I see life very real and very as it is. Like, here's the reality of life. And then you go on social media and there's like all of these un alternate realities. And, and I, I just find it really fascinating. That was, I think more than anything at that moment, it taught me how much we really in our mind create a reality. And I don't want to judge people for that reality, but what I am saying is like all of our, our, our ideas of what is real starts to engage us and put us into a box and that box is limiting. Mm -hmm. That box limits us. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are. You, the, All of our beliefs put us into a box. And the question is, do we want to stay in that box? And of course, everybody always says, yeah, I want to get out. I want to get out. I want to get out. Okay. Well, this is what you need to do. No, I'm just going to stay in the box. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what ends up happening, unfortunately. <laughs> And I well, think that's the power of affirmations. Affirmations can slowly start to get your mind moving outside the box and, yeah. and, and start to see life maybe just a little differently. You're like, oh yeah, 
you know, I don't have to do X, Y, and Z. I can actually, you know, do the whole alphabet if I want to. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and that's, that's what gets my, my um, excitement up is when I see that light of that spark of like, um, like awakening in people, like you literally see that spark awaken and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. They, they're seeing their life differently. Good. <laughs> my work is done. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, so many have gotten into this where they've drawn a line in the sand and, yeah, you know, you either on this side or you're on that side. And I don't ever remember it ever getting this bad. And, and I'm hoping that my guests will push people in that direction of coming back together again. Yeah. And I mean, we can have our differences, you know, I, like I tell everyone, I'm not prejudiced. Some of my best friends are Houston Texans fans. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Let's, we've got to keep trying and don't, don't give up. Let's, try to get people back together again without this division and if it doesn't happen we might see two united states that won't be very united well i think that i think some of it too is like working on the divisions that we face within ourselves you know there's a lot of us have inner conflicts yeah. um that we're not congruent inside of ourselves and mm -hmm. I always say to my students, you know, we get into the conversation of karma and, you know, what you're just describing is really the results of karma. And so many of us go, oh, the world needs to change. You know, if only this group of people thought this way, then the world would be better. But, um, you know, it's it's like I've got to resolve the stuff within myself. And, and I think that's what yoga has really taught me is like get, you know, constantly come back and get to work on myself, there was an incident uh, with my business partner who I'm very, you know, good friends with. And, and he did something where it really made me angry. <laughs> and my natural response was to lash out at him. This is about seven years ago now. This isn't recent. But when it happened, I was just really angry. And but I was also as a yogi, really aware of the fact that I didn't want to harm him. I didn't want to hurt him by saying nasty things to him, things that, you know, whether they were true or not, it wasn't going to elevate our relationship. And so I just kind of sat with it. And I once said to him, like when it happened, I said, I just need some space to kind of like get my own thoughts in, in order so I can come back and have a better conversation with you. And, and when I actually sat with it, long enough what i realized my anger wasn't about him of course it was that i wasn't living fully in my purpose and once i understood that then the next question was what does it mean to live in my purpose and so i think like if we can just stop and and ask ourselves like do the work with ourselves then and and then try to listen to other people and and seek first to understand I think that's where we really start to shift momentum, but it's got to start with me making yeah. that uh, endeavor to really listen to other people's perspectives and try to see things in their, in their way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not always good at it, but I find people's stories fascinating 
and especially how they arrive at certain beliefs. Like, tell me, how did you arrive at that belief? And, um, um, and it's just, it, it kind of just, it blows my mind how often I realize I really don't know in this world. I don't understand because I just don't know what other people are thinking. And, and so the way I grow as a human being is by understanding, fully understanding how other people see the world and their life experiences. Well, you know, even the Bible says that you've got to get your own house in a, in order before you can go out and help anyone else. And until you take care of what's in here, you're, yeah. you're never going to be able to, to help anyone. You know, I'm, do I fall? Heck yeah, I fall all the time. <laughs> but also, I, I get back up again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's another reason why I like doing this show is it, it helps me to be a better person. And it's a reminder. We get so caught up in everything that's going on in the world that, that we, we forget. We have to take care of our insight. Yeah, especially when you get on the highway and you're driving behind somebody that's too slow. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that I'm a good yogi in most areas of my life, except driving. I think <laughs> right. it, I think driving is God's way of constantly testing. You know, it's kind of like I just when I think like, oh yeah, I've got my shit figured out, and I'm a pretty good person. Then I get on the road and I get behind some guy like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I've still got work to do. <laughs> yeah. I find myself about five or 10 minutes later when I calm down going, did you really have to blow up like that? Yeah. And you, and you also, you don't know what's going on in the next vehicle. <laughs> You know, yeah. you got that guy flying by you and you're like, you stupid jerk. Well, they also might be going to an emergency. You mm -hmm. know, we just don't, we don't know. But we've, we are so caught up in ourselves that we don't stop to think about those kind of things. And I am, yeah. I'm the worst at it. I'm not going to lie. I'm awful. That's yeah. why I'd rather just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> So, Yogi Aaron, do you have a website? Yes, people can learn more about me. Um, I also have a pain-free series that will pop up like almost immediately um, on there. So it's it's free. They can just opt into it. Um, it's yogiaaron.com, Y-O-G-I-A-A-R-O-N.com. All right. And how about social media? Yeah, I, you just search anywhere. Yogi Aaron, uh, go to Facebook, search Yogi Aaron, um, go to YouTube. I'm at Yogi Aaron. Um, I have a, um, a big, vast library of resources as well on YouTube. People can take advantage of um, there as well. That's that's actually where I put a lot of my resources and time and energy is into my YouTube channel and and just creating a service for people, a way for people to begin accessing um, these things that really help you become stronger and pain-free in life. I thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today and putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, Pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. And also want to thank all of you out there. If you are new to the channel, you just happened by, I, I hope you'll come back. Please hit that subscribe button from our regulars. 
you know how much I appreciate you because of you, I get to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network. 